Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. Jackson White, co-founder, editor-in-chief of Politiscope, TYT Rebel HQ, creator and host of the YouTube channel, Politics and Paper. Always fascinating to have him on the program. First story of the day, well, girl fight. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Terry Lake are going at it. Let's put it up full mass. At one point, these women were at least political allies, even if they remained frenemies. Well, why are they fighting? They're fighting because Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican out of Georgia, and failed Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, both are extremely desperate for the attention of one, Donald Trump indicted quadruply. Donald Trump chose them, Donald Trump has not chosen them as a running mate, he has not chosen anyone. But that has not stopped them from sniping at each other in private according to a hilarious and amazing story in Rolling Stone. Both women actually wish they were the American flag in this photo. There it is. That's a horrible realization. However, sources close to Trump said Trump actually doesn't want any of them. Neither has a real shot according to insiders of being his VP pick if he does end up being the Republican nominee. But has anyone considered that Trump is possibly lying to them both? You know? Like he does to everybody else. There's more. All right, Green and Lake may present an image of calm unity in public, but behind the scenes, the two view one another with intense distrust and disdain, each seeing the other as direct competition for Trump's political affections. Heard the report. Tensions are extra high in the Veep stakes because the women have similar ideologies. To the campaign, they're both competing in the very narrow lane of election denying, shameless Trump diehard who has emerged as a conspiracy theory slinging star among the conservative base. One source called it a death race. And both have been kissing Trump's ass as of late, with Green comparing Trump to Jesus and Nelson Mandela. In an interview with her boyfriend and Lake, threatening violence. From fellow NRA members, if Trump does not, if Trump goes to prison for any of his many crimes, sources have been chattering that Lake wants to be VP and noted that she basically moved into Mar-a-Lago this summer. Rolling Stone reports that Green has been trash talking Lake to the MAGA elite and conservative media circles. Green, who has blamed wildfires on Jewish space lasers. Even had the gall to say, Lake isn't serious enough to be a VP. Green has also privately called Lake a grifter and scammer who is trying to keep riding Trump's coattails because she lost and she's cozying up on the election integrity messaging. Lake has told confidants that she thinks Green is leaking negative stories about her to the press. You don't say. 
Meanwhile, um, some of Trump advisors have been telling reporters that he doesn't like Lake very much, perhaps because she acts too much like him. Uh, she's a shameless, shameless, ruthless demagogue who wants power and will do whatever she has to do to get it. One advisor told the Daily Beast, uh, two other advisors said Trump thinks Lake is a spotlight hound. And he's annoyed that she's running around saying she should be VP. Isn't that ironic? Um, Trump doesn't like himself. He doesn't like individuals who are a mere reflection of him. Okay, there's more. But uh oh, in mid August, March openly floated herself. She told the Atlanta Journal Constitution that she has not decided whether she'll run for Senate because she said, quote, I have a lot of things to think about. Am I going to be part of President Trump's cabinet if he wins? Uh, is it possible that I'll be VP? Question mark. Even if Trump doesn't care for their thirst, he probably wouldn't choose them anyway. Sources said he's talked about the pros and cons of both women. But even Trump isn't stupid enough to select Green Lake as it could turn off independent and moderate voters. He needs to win in a general election. Trump does appear to be considering a female running mate though with other contenders reportedly including 2024 presidential candidate Nikki Haley. You have the Arkansas governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And also South Dakota governor, Christy Noam. So yeah, he has a lot to choose from, obviously. Here's the dynamic that's really ironic. None of them are being considered based on their, let's just say, policy prowess or their political wit. Their ability to get things done, solving problems for everyday people, legislation that was difficult to pass, but they got it done in a bipartisan way in order to serve the community at large. None of them are being considered for any of these notions that typically would be part of the political conversation in any other context. But the highest elected office of the land has dismissed all policy platform discussion. And it is now interchangeable with personality and gender and nothing else. All right, Jackson thoughts here. It always cracks me up how in tune Donald Trump is with kind of the popularity or viewpoints of other people. But he's completely not self aware with himself, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carrie Lake. Why does he not like them? You pointed it out because they're goofy, because that's how people see them. They see them as, as, as trolls, basically. Marjorie Taylor Greene was just on, I mean, she, the Hunter Biden stuff on the floor of Congress. Uh, taking it that far, she was just on Alex Jones talking about uh, whatever happened at Burning Man. That was God's retribution, you know. So she goes around saying stuff like this, and Trump is aware that people side eye them, but he's not aware of it uh, within himself. Um, but I think personally, I think if he were to choose a woman, it would probably be Christy Noam because she's the prettiest of all of all of them, I guess you could say. Uh, her or Nikki. Um, because Trump is that type of shallow. I mean, everybody, what, you know, what? Why did he like John Bolton? Because he has that mustache, or, or that's why he didn't like him, or something. Um, so either way, the entire Republican Party is is collapsing. Tucker Carlson just did an interview uh, on Tucker on Next with some guy who claimed to have slept with Obama and bought two hundred and fifty dollars worth of cocaine from him in nineteen ninety nine. You know, so that's just really the state of the Republican Party right now. Is what we're looking at.
Yeah, you make a great point about that uh, silly ass Tucker Carlson interview. <laughs> uh, this this guy has been on like a social media platform saying this for years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and who validates him? Well, Tucker Carlson. A cop decides to go speed racing, puts a lot of people in danger. One person flees the scene. The cop tries to explain, hey, hey guy, I'm just trying to impress my lady friend here. Here it is. Oh, don't! I got one fleeing. Put it in neutral. Who's that? I don't know. Pull the key up. I got you. I'm I'm deputy. Okay. Push it over you. I don't have my registration on me, boss. Um, it's at home. Okay. I'm not sure, boss. You understand the situation? It looks bad on my part, and I understand. You know, I. We're going on a date night, and I just got the bike not too long ago, and I wanted to impress her, and it's really bad. I, I don't speed at all. I wanted to impress her, and I wanted to show off the new bike. It's like the first time she's on it. Go ahead, turn around, phone. Do you have anything on you that's going to stick me, poke me, or hurt me? All right. At this time, I'm placing you under arrest for your street racing, all right? I wasn't racing. What? Wait. Wait, no, 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 guys, come on. Wait, I wasn't racing. I was not racing. Okay. I I wasn't there, this officer. No, dude. Oh, my God. Can I grab my phone that is on his phone? No way. We'll get it for you. He said, I'm a deputy. Cops are all right. (laughs) Put him up full mask. I like the style of the cop that arrested him. (laughs) Uh, In Florida, body cam shows the arrest of Orange County Sheriff's Deputy Brian Espinel, after police say they caught him street racing on a motorcycle. St. Cloud police arrested the officer, the deputy, on charges of reckless driving and racing on the highway. The St. Cloud police officer can be heard calling in a high speed street race between two motorcyclists. Wednesday evening, and body camera footage released by the department. One of them fled, but the other pulled over and identified himself as Espinal. Police quickly grabbed the keys, fearing, fearing he would flee, all right? Uh, So the officer denied that he was actually street racing several times, quote, I can't see how that looks. Uh, And it wasn't like that, he said in the body cam video. Police told the officer, the deputy, that he ran at least one red light, conducted several several illegal and unsafe lane changes, and hit speeds just under 100 miles per hour, more than double the speed required or allowed in the area. The deputy said he wanted to impress his girlfriend. Um, come back to me for that. So why are you racing this other guy if you want to impress your girlfriend? Because I promise you, sir, when you got arrested by the police. And you, the police yourself, mm, it's not going to go well for you in the conversations between her and her girlfriend, sir. There's nothing impressive about that. There's more.
uh, we are going on a date night. He proclaimed, he said, and I just got the bike not too long ago. I wanted to impress her and it's really bad. I don't speed at all. And then he admitted he didn't know who the second motorcyclist was and they simply met at an intersection before investigators allege they decided to race. Since his arrest, the officer or the deputy has been relieved of all law enforcement duties and reassigned to administrative duties while the investigation continues. A release from the sheriff's office shows the deputy was hired in September 2019 and worked in the uniform patrol division. The uniform patrol division. Let's put his picture up one more time. Um, so he gets arrested on the scene. I want to point out an irony of this. You know, if he would have just shot an unarmed black person, he could have went home. But he was racing on a street. He gets arrested. Let this sink in. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Yeah, you know, definitely the the group chat discussion is not going to go well for my man. And the funniest thing, he was like, he blamed it on peer pressure. Right. Like first and foremost, he shouldn't have done it, and he wouldn't have been in that position because I'm sure she wasn't that impressed that he was going over 100 miles an hour. She was probably a bit more nervous than she was impressed. I guess you know there's a lot of adrenaline junkies out here, but I don't know about that. You know what I mean? But then he blamed it on her, like it's because of her, man. I wouldn't have done this unless she was on the bike, which also makes you look horrible to her and she's going to be talking about that uh, in the group chat. But I mean, this guy shouldn't be allowed to be back on the force period. I mean, it, because if he's if he can crack this easily just because he wants to look good, then yeah. what else may he potentially do because he wants to uh, uphold his authority or because he feels a certain type of way. So I think he should not be allowed to join the force again. And that is the part that actually make this makes this a serious dilemma. Because you're right, there's a connection between his inability to be mature about a situation and the level of maturity required to be a man who has a gun and a license to kill, right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. A police officer is caught in a very compromised situation. Here it is. Mira, pisando está, mira. No vaya a por nada, lo voy a mandar. No te vaya a ver porque. Vaya, para el carro, mira, para atrás la lleva, mira, ve. Ey, no, mira, para corriendo ya, mira. Ey, yo. Quitate más, ¿verdad? Quitate, dale. Ey, yo. Ay, pero por lo menos disimulando que para allá, ¿verdad? Put it up, full mass. The gentleman who recorded this has done that local community, and by extension, all of us, a hell of a public service. This police officer caught in this situation was doing so at a park with children. According to the video, he hugs and touches his female companion. They go in the back seat of the cruiser. This is in Maryland. Prince 
Georgia's police officer Francesco Marlette has been suspended after social media went viral of him kissing a woman before they went into the backseat of his patrol car. After becoming aware of the video, the police department posted this statement and it reads, PGPD executive command is aware of a video circulating on social media with one of our officers. As soon as we became aware earlier today, we opened an investigation to determine the circumstances. Additional information will be released once investigated and confirmed. So we do have that additional information, but let me say this before I get into it. The police department refused to release the name of the individual under actual investigation. I want you to think about this. Police department, sometimes the chief will come out, hold a press press conference and tell you exactly who's under investigation. He wants you to know how he feels, how his department feels about a particular person or group of people. Names are not withheld. But when it comes to a police officer who should be held to a higher standard of accountability, let's hide the name. Well, we got the name now, all right? So details of the incident, Nelson O, who declined to give his last name because he feared retaliation, said he filmed the video of the encounter that was shared on a relative's TikTok account. He was in Oxen Hills, Carson Park with his child and family to play soccer. This was on a Sunday night. He saw the officer walking around looking suspicious. But when he saw the young girl pull up, he started recording because something didn't seem right. He said, adding that the female appeared to be in her early 20s. The two remained in the vehicles for about 40 minutes before exiting the back of the police cruiser and quickly leaving the park in their respective vehicles. Quote, it was concerning because there's kids around, Nelson O said. It just seemed off because this is the person that you're supposed to call for suspicious activity, doing the suspicious activity, you know. Seven News also discovered a second video circulating online involving the same police vehicle. This time, the PGPD cruiser was parked at a different park. A woman can be seen getting into the back seat. We have that video. Here it is. Now he's supposed to be the damn police and he got everybody putting him on the investigation. He doesn't know anyone is recording him in all these locations. There's probably more video. Okay, let's put it up full mass. There's a twist, there's an irony to the ironic story. According to the Daily Mail, Officer Marlette's estranged wife, her name is Paula on the left, lashed out at her husband in a series of Facebook posts following the initial video of the officer with whom she claims is his alleged mistress, Virginia Pinto on the right. That's according to the Daily Mail. Both women would accuse the other of being the first to cheat in their respective marriages and being dumped by the uh, their husbands for said cheating. Both Paula and Pinto are mothers of three. So let's go to this cop's past. Now, you have to imagine this isn't about a 
lifestyle dynamic. If he's lying to people in his personal life, not a good thing, not a good thing. But definitely not really my business until he decides to bring this madness into the community in his official uniform while working inside of his police cruiser when there are people who actually need real police officers doing real police work who are honest and have integrity. If this individual is corrupt enough to do things like this, not once, but obviously at least twice, what else do you think he does? So here's the past of the cop. This is his second suspension according to the record. He was previously charged with child abuse in 2016 for allegedly knocking a three year old baby unconscious. Those charges were dropped, his friends expunged his record. Officer Marlette was also suspended for a month in May of 2023 after being accused of domestic violence. He then returned to duty in June. Let me talk about the child abuse incident. So Officer Marlette was watching his girlfriend's son. This was on December 27th, 2016, according to the report. She was making dinner. The state's attorney's office said in a statement, after the child soiled the bed, Marlette allegedly began spanking the child. And the child hit his head against the wall, lost consciousness, could have died obviously. When the boy's mother came into the room to see what was happening, the child was unconscious and Officer Marlette was performing CPR. That's according to the official statement. The child was treated for a concussion and a bruise above his eye at the Children's National Medical Center, according to prosecutors and staff alerted police and child protective services. Let's put this picture up again, put this dynamic of it. It's interesting, isn't it? So. All of a sudden, the police department releases a statement saying, we're going to investigate. He has been taken off of active duty, no arrest powers, etc. The man has had a checkered pass since 2016 at least. He almost killed a three-year-old child. The fact of that is not in dispute whatsoever. It happened like that according to the statement. But somehow magically, charges are dropped, record expunged. Then we move on to a more recent incident of violence, but he gets to return. Details are murky. My point is, this officer must face the penalty required for his negligence and corruption. But he doesn't exist without the coexisting system that produced him. So while the police department will throw him under the bus because he's a little bit too toxic right now. I want you to remember, they didn't throw him under the bus when he almost killed a three year old. They didn't throw him under the bus when he committed another crime allegedly of domestic violence. But when they got him getting into a vehicle, on camera, the wheels start moving in the right direction as far as administrative leadership. What does that tell you? 
It tells you they really don't care what actually happened. They care what you can prove happened. Same thing actual criminals do. All right, Jackson, thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. They care what you can prove because, I mean, if you just weigh things on a scale, you know, abusing a child, almost killing a child, and domestic violence is worse than solicited consensual sex. You know, I mean, so that's really all this is, as you pointed out. They just got embarrassed. It's embarrassing because yeah. at the end of the day, he could do this literally anywhere. Like you could do it in a hotel, you could do it at your house, her house, like literally anywhere other than not, it's not just in public, but at a park where there are people. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's not like, it's not even like he pulled up at like 5 a.m. and ain't nobody there. You know, there, there's people there, which I guess suggests that he has somewhat of a, a fetish or kink for, I, I don't know. But whatever's going on, this dude is way too comfortable and yep. uh, he really needs to face some punishment. And he's another person who absolutely should not be a member of the force. But he's even worse than the other guy. I mean, the other guy was speeding yeah. and that was all bad. But this guy's actually hurting people. And just, I mean, this is creepy. It just really is creepy yeah, uh, for him it, to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, according to just people recording, he's done it more than once. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What a good ball. How about that? How about that? Oh, baby, my bag is right there. Yeah? They're telling me that I'm going to hop my bag tomorrow. What a good ball. All right, well, put it up for a mask. According to those who are at least semi familiar, uh, the Reddit post, Karen stops the Jubilee line yesterday after she sticks her legs onto the tracks trying to retrieve her dropped bag. Now, I don't know, this strategy may actually work. If you drop a bag, maybe somehow. If you stop the train, your bag will magically appear. It sounds like the bag will appear if the train moves. I don't know. Jackson, maybe there's some logic here to what the young lady is doing. Let it's you explain the, it. It's the magic words, you know what I'm saying? First, you gotta put your feet and block the train. Then you gotta okay. say some special magic words. It's some some European pa pagan words, so I, I don't even right. know what they mean. But that's she know what they mean, you know what I'm saying? So right. that's all it was. It was just like, you know, some type of voodoo magic going on. And, and we, we just don't understand the supernatural. That's all it is. I, I think you're correct, <laughs> sir. Okay, all right. I hope she got a bag. I hope so too, I, yeah. I definitely do. An indisputable exclusive. The mayor is under investigation. The mayor that you know, that I know. This is going to be an interesting dynamic. Mondale Robinson, who spoke out against Confederate monuments, tore them down in his city. Racist leaflets started to be passed out in his community. He called for an investigation. They are now investigating him according to the narrative. Let me give you a recap. Here it is. Black mayor has been targeted, is now under criminal investigation 
because he decided to remove Confederate monuments that he had permission to remove. Let me go to the first video, here it is. Yo, it's time for this monument to come down. People voted, I tried with a hammer, that wasn't enough. So now here come the tractors, drive it down. Yes, sirs. Yes, sirs. Yes, sirs. Death to the Confederacy around here. Death to the Confederate in this town. We're just, we're just tied off right here where I tied that piece at. All right, let's put his picture up, full mask. He's the mayor of Enfield, a remarkable Take action, leader, comes on indisputable as one of my trusted allies on this program. We have an update that's going to rock you. That criminal investigation back then against Mayor Mondale Robinson was dropped with no charges. Now I want to remind you, let's keep this picture up. I want to remind everyone. This was during a time when they were passing laws to mandate local communities, in particular local communities of color, that they could not touch these white supremacist monuments. What did he do? He personally tore them down. We applaud him for that action. Those charges were dropped. But now according to the mayor, the SBI was at his mother's house to investigate him. He says this is in regards to racist leaflets left around town after the removal of the monument, okay? You see the leaflets, right? The letter that was left in many residents yards reads quote, white people of Enfield. You have let an inward tyrant stomp on your heritage. What will you do? Don't let them get away with anything, sign. The loyal white knights, that's the largest section of the KKK. So Mayor Robinson has also received multiple threatening emails and letters delivered to his home. And town office, which according to him, have not been picked up or investigated by authorities. You see them right here. The letter states such things like, you are a dumb piece of ish in word who should go to jail, end quote. Blacks are inferior beings and really just plain stupid, end quote. And you will be watched closely. Persons will address you while you are working, when you are in public and during your everyday outings. The white knights also mention him directly in their outgoing voicemail. We have that voicemail, here it is. Greetings from the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. The dumbest of the month award goes to Mayor Mondale Robinson for calling on Governor Cooper to investigate white terror in Enfield, North Carolina. While the running the crime rate sky high, shooting each other in gang violence. He wants to worry about Confederate monuments. If you're interested in joining the Klan, leave your name and number and we'll
feckless cowards of the KK clowns. This is what they promote, okay? Let's put the mayor back up. I want you to remember how he started. He got elected by the people. They said he could not touch those Confederate monuments. He said, watch me, recorded it. He's still the mayor, still outspoken, racist leaflets all around communities where he is the mayor. He calls for an investigation and according to him, he is now being investigated himself for putting out the leaflets against himself, which is insane. Mayor Robinson says he spent months calling for an investigation into these racist examples and publicly spoke out against the white nationalist movement. Even going so far as to call out the Secretary of Public Safety directly and the governor in North Carolina directly for not doing anything about the problem of white supremacy. So shortly after challenging these positions, according to Mayor Robinson, quote, the SBI showed up at my parents' house and said they are investigating me and my younger sister for the racist letters that were thrown in Enfield's residence yards. Mayor Robinson's younger sister, who was present at the house when the agent came, told indisputable, and I quote, I felt violated because I know that neither Mondale nor I did anything wrong. And they were trying to put the blame on us. I felt like yet again, we were being let down by the people that are supposed to protect us. I can't believe instead of trying to find out who really did it, they would accuse the people that it happened to. It's disgusting and I felt violated. I don't think they're going to protect my brother. I know the threats come daily because I, re I retrieve many from his mail. Bill Robinson's other sister who was also present at the time told us this quote, when the SBI agents came, I told the agent that I knew they were there because a week prior, my brother had discussed on national TV the neglect of the governor to do anything about the racist antics. I was so optimistic that I was overly eager to assist them. She thought they were there to help. However, those hopes were soon shot down. And the realization that nothing had changed or was going to change crushed me. I fear for my brother's life daily. And this investigation is confirming that those fears are valid. Let's put them up. Let me tell you who you're looking at. You're looking at NCSBI Director Bob Schumer. According to Mayor Robinson, one of his agents, Agent Scott Faircloth, was questioned by the mayor as to why they were investigating him and his family and why they had yet to conduct a full investigation into the threats made against him personally, to which the agent under the leadership of the director allegedly responded that the investigation had been occurring for nearly a year. Mayor Mundell Robinson told indisputable quote, for a year now, I've been calling for an investigation into the racist threats I received. The doxing of all of my information on racist websites and the racist leaflets left in residence yards 
but not until I challenged Secretary Eddie Buffalo publicly. Do I find out there is an investigation, but not of racist. Instead, they are investigating me. We reached out to the North Carolina SBI and they did not provide an immediate response. So I talked to some friends at the ACLU today about this case. They are not happy by the evidence presented so far and how it is contextualized in a way that creates that creates a narrative to say that the mayor committed crimes against himself when it is well documented that there are many many groups who have been opposite of the mayor openly so threatening him sending hate mail sending messages via social media you see it takes courage to stand up for what is right this is not fantasy this is not a game this is not a reality show this is not a skit these are not actors and actresses these are real people now if you thought if you thought that this investigation was going to cause me or anyone at indisputable or the circle that extends beyond it to distance themselves from my dear brother, think again. This has caused me to get even closer, knowing the level of fight you all are trying to bring to his doorstep by going to his parents' home. That was dear brother. Well, first, um, you know, the irony of it, they're leaving these messages, making it like, you know, there's all these other problems, but he wants to focus on this monument. Well, then why are you tripping so bad over it if it's just a literally a little bitty monument, but it's what the monument represents. I growing up and even up until recently, like my parents are older. My dad's I'm 31, my dad's 72, my mom's 68. So, you know, I grew up with a lot of experience from them. And one of the things that never really made sense to me that he would say all the time is the lost cause still being alive and how so much of what we see in society is just a continuance of the lost cause. Because in reality, you know, they say the quiet part out loud all the time, we're losing our country. It's becoming too brown, too Latino, too gay. There's too many trans people who are openly accepting of themselves. And political forces literally see the end of the civil war as a wrong term that the country took. And ever since the end of the Civil War, which was over slavery, a way of life of slavery, it wasn't, oh, it's just, you know, the technology was changing. No, if people were willing to go to war so that they could own human beings, that's still alive and well today. That's why we're looking at what's happening with Donald Trump. He's a game show host, he's a clown. All of his fans know that he's guilty of X, Y, and Z, but what does he represent? He represents a barrier from the country becoming more brown, more gay, more trans, more openly accepting. And so despite the fact that the Civil War ended over 100 years ago, it's still alive and well. The Civil War metaphorically never really ended because at the end of the day, the United States is stolen land built through slave labor. That's what yep. this place is. So the fight is still alive. The fight is still alive. And the irony is this, the people proclaiming that this is all about freedoms are literally the ones who are limiting and restricting the freedom of everyday people. All right, we got more on the other side.
is indisputable stick and stay. All right, we got a lot left, a lot of show to go. I'm going to read a few of these comments. Thank you for joining the combo. Okay, Wolf Dragon Donna says this investigation against Mondale is disgusting. You always have our support mayor. That's right. Um, Teresa McBride, I was freaking out during the mayor's nightmare. Let's rally, and I have 20 bucks ready to help keep Mondale safe. That's right. Cray Cray Souffle, you gonna stop this? Hell of a thing happening. Well, I will let this brother explain it. Here it is. Okay, so what's the deal? She may our son, the voice of reason, uh, holding down Tuesday, Wednesday morning here in Philadelphia. Um, I am part of an organization at my son's elementary school, JDOD, John Shuri Jenks. That's Jenks' dad's on duty. We hold it down every morning, make sure the kids get in school safely, you know, maintain the traffic, so on and so forth. Uh, we found these posters, these flyers posted outside of the school, uh, one on the trash can. There were a couple more on a couple of the stoplights there. And then one a little further down the street on the, the PPA payment, John. Um, so this is what we're dealing with this morning here in Philadelphia in the uh, uh, Chestnut Hill section of the city. Um, Let's just, it's important to say, first of all, that the Chanks Academy is a fantastic school and this, uh, the school officials have been nothing but supportive of the things that uh, JDOD does and that we've been doing with the kids. Um, this is just happening this morning, uh, but it's the kind of thing that we don't want to want to be missed. We want to make sure that uh, all the parents that uh, um, have children there are aware that this is going on and that um, you know all the appropriate measures are being taken. If anybody's got questions, hit me up. Thank you, dear brother, for highlighting this as a public service to your community. Let's put it up for a mask. If you notice in the background, you see the imagery says rise, white man, reserve, austerity. The video was posted Wednesday morning by our son, the voice of reason, a local musician and father of a student at Jinx Academy for Arts and Sciences in the Chestnut Hill area of Philadelphia. The presence of these flyers near the school should not be a surprise given the student population of the academy is over 80% black. This is an intimidation tactic. Now, who are the Jinx, uh, Jinx dads on duty? It's a local group of men promoting safety at the Chestnut Hill School. They're doing their part to help keep students safe. The group is made up of grandfathers, fathers, brothers of students at the Academy of Arts and Sciences. The men do everything from directing traffic to assisting parents as they escort their children to and from school grounds. Let's put it up. This year and last year has seen a rise in white supremacist propaganda around that same area. Back in February of this year, a local resident Named Marilyn Kraut returned home one Thursday afternoon to notice a baggie containing two flyers on the front steps. The one flyer read, quote, our children pay the price for our inaction, stand up white man. The other flyer was an ad for a white supremacist propaganda film entitled Europa, The Last Battle. When I read that, I knew it was some white supremacist thing, said Kraut. 
Um, a Chettleham resident, Kraut, who is Jewish, said she grew up in a prejudiced environment in Jacksonville, Florida. So she wasn't surprised by the literature. Her husband, David, who grew up in Philadelphia and was a Holocaust uh, and has Holocaust survivors in his family, had the opposite reaction. I was shocked, he said. It's not something I'm used to. All right. So while the crowd said they were the only ones on the block to receive the flyers, then Springfield Township Board Commissioner Eddie Graham in the picture said residents in the neighborhoods of Glenside, Floortown, and Windmore also reported seeing the flyers on their property. Graham, however, told the local police, uh, told the local police that police told the local that police leadership told him in private meetings that they do not believe the circulated literature rises to the level of a crime. Graham said he does not agree because he views the flyers as an act of racial intimidation. And here's another dynamic worth mentioning. In addition to it being racial intimidation, it's a community nuisance, that's an ordinance violation. It also as an intimidating factor based on race, well, that's a federal violation. And if it is related to anyone who lives in a home, well, now you have a federal housing issue that takes the authority to the federal government. It allows for the federal government to have jurisdiction. And in order to get the flyer affixed to the property, they have to commit criminal trespass to do so. So I'm no police officer, but damn it, I could have found at least two or three avenues to deem this behavior to be criminal in nature. Let's put it up. It is worth noting in March, Graham unfortunately resigned after a year of trying to get local police, a local police organization to not use the Blue Lives Matter flag as its logo. Graham, the first and only black commissioner and the first black president of the Springfield Township Board of Commissioners said he wanted to give a voice to black residents and work on issues that bring equity and unity to the community when he was elected eight years ago. Instead, he said he was met with hate and humiliation. They're not taking it seriously, some say. I say they are. The police are taking it seriously, so seriously that they're willing to engage in systemic cover-up, bias, policing, in order to not prosecute, not arrest, not truly investigate what is in front of them. These are intentional actions. It looks like neglect, but it is very much so directed action to serve an agenda. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem that they are working for the people that pay the taxes there. All right, we're going to follow up on this story. Jackson, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, the the the, the stand up white man. Let's talk about how incredibly common white people are within the United States, especially given the fact that over the decades, groups that weren't considered white are now considered white. I'm half white. White people are everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you can it was as of two as of 2020, there were 231 million white people in the country. 75.8% if you include white Hispanics are white. 
you know, when the when the, when the Irish first came over here with the potato famine, they was dirty, they wasn't white yet, but now they white. Italians wasn't white, now they white. So again, like there's literally no shortage of white people, but the bigger issue obviously is the fear of it becoming more brown. And you know, you got Donald Trump, you got Tucker Carlson, you got the entire American right wing, the Republican Party, everybody on television, the culture war, which is doing nothing but fanning the flames of racism. And so that issue in this country has not gone away. But the irony of it all is that there's no shortage of white people. I, my mother's white, I'm white. Like what's the, but again, that's a problem to them, is it not? You know what I'm saying? That, that's a problem to them. So, uh, but there's nothing they can do about it. Unfortunately, uh, they're kicking and screaming on their way down, but it's a battle that we got to keep on fighting because we can't let them win. There you go. Well said. Police chief has been charged with stealing money and stealing drugs. Put him up full mass. Hell of a thing. Raymond Rao, chief of police on the Oregon coast faces criminal charges amid allegations that he took drugs and the man took money from his own evidence locker at the police station. So Chief Rao is now charged with two counts of first degree official misconduct, one count of second degree theft and one count of third degree theft. And all of the charges are misdemeanors. Now, let me just say this. You mean to tell me you can steal drugs out of the police department? And you can steal money from the police department? That's evidence. What does evidence mean? It means it's part of a case. A prosecutor needs that. A defense needs to analyze that. It's germane to the process of criminal indictment. It's called due process. You weigh the evidence. So you can go into a police department, steal it, and get charged with misdemeanors. Well, damn. I guarantee you, if he was not the chief, those charges would read quite different, already starting on the wrong foot. Rao is now charged with taking a controlled substance from the Telemook. Department's evidence locker. According to them, he did it on two occasions, it could be more, between October 1st, 2021 and April 8th, 2023. So he's accused of taking at least $100, at least $100 in cash, belonging to someone between October 1st, 2021 and May 8th, 2023. Uh, the Tillamook uh, Herald leader broke the story, reporting the Oregon State Police began an investigation in May. After an audit of the police department's property room revealed that evidence had been tampered with or removed in more than how many cases? 80, in more than 80 cases dating back to 2005. With the vast majority of those incidents incur, uh, occurring in 2001. So why is he only charged with two? Who stole the rest of it? Who violated the chain of command? For all of it, why did it uptick in 2021? There's more, put her up, put her up. Uh, DA, District Attorney, Aubrey Olson, told KOIN6 that she is in the process of analyzing each case and determining 
the appropriate course of action. She has already dismissed two cases and even vacated four convictions of people in jail or in prison. Why? Because you have disrupted the chain of command, officer. So this is how it works in a court of law. And this is why the local community should be outraged in addition to just the action of this chief. There are some people who probably committed some real offenses against citizens there. They need to sit down somewhere and think about it. But guess what? You gotta vacate the sentences now. Why? Because your police chief tampered with the evidence providing the basis for reasonable doubt. And for the evidence to not be used at all in the prosecution. There's more. The only information I've gotten so far is a list of case numbers with items that were reported as missing and or tampered, according to the DA. The missing evidence relates to illegal drugs in 64 cases. 64 cases and illegal drugs. Olson said has yet Olson said has yet to find who is responsible, but she's a little terrified to find out. Ma'am, don't be scared. You ran for this. You wanted this job. According to the Telemook Headlight Herald, Rao has been on leave from the department since May. City officials did not respond immediately Thursday to request for comment. The man isn't even charged with violating his oath of office. He's not charged with any felony. He's not charged with submitting a false report. He's not charged with the proper charges based on the evidence in the audit. There should be at least 80 charges shared between maybe multiple individuals perhaps. But misdemeanors for going into an evidence locker and stealing. And then look at the narrative, ladies and gentlemen. Well, he stole at least $100. That's it, you did an audit, which means you know how much was in there. You know why? Because in order for it to make it into the evidence locker, there's a roster that describes each item, including how much cash and the weight and substance and chemical makeup of the drug. They know exactly how much money he stole and they know exactly how many ounces or pounds of dope he stole too. Jackson thoughts. You know, I just really think about how easy it is for this type of corruption to just spread and take over entire police municipalities and entire police precincts. Because if one person's in on it and just one other person lets it get away, that quickly can domino effect into everybody just looking out for each other, which basically is the brotherhood. It is the culture of the police department. And unless there's really, really hard rule changes to where everything has to be counted. And, and and everything has to be audited federally in some type of way, then it's too easy to do this. Especially for officers, oh, I've been here for 20 years. Oh, everybody here has been here for 15, 10, 30 years, whatever that may be. I mean, you're literally dealing with a system of just people. There, there's no ch- real checks and balances. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if there's nobody stopping you from doing something, I don't care how good you are, that's going to corrupt you a little bit. And that's the biggest problem with the police, uh, with the law enforcement system in this country is it just lets people do what they feel like doing. 
So we will have an update to the story guaranteed. We'll bring it as it comes. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Um, let me read this one comment because I, I want to address it. Uh, Gabby Mathis, and thank you for that, Gabby, says, how can we support Mondale? Um, that information is forthcoming. Um, naturally, I spoke to the mayor before doing this exclusive today. Um, I support him 100%. We will have the mayor on the program very soon to talk about this in a more thorough format. But I wanted to make sure that we did our due diligence and reported it directly to you. So that information is coming, all right? We'll appreciate the love for sure. Okay, hell of a thing. Black lawyer in Pittsburgh says he was wrongly arrested, taken to a judge, told he had to make a decision in 15 minutes or he was going to be thrown in jail. Put him up for a mask. This is one of those, what the hell? Happened. Walter Bernard, a Pittsburgh based lawyer, says he was removed from his residence, wrongly arrested in connection to a civil case, not criminal, a civil case, and escorted to a courtroom where his freedom was threatened by a judge. Now he's pursuing legal action. The lawsuit filed last month alleges that attorney Walter Bernard's civil rights were violated by the Ellen. Henny County Common Pleas Court, according to the according to the filing, he is the um, circuit judge. His name is Philip Philip Ignelzi, claiming that the official acted out of his jurisdiction is part of the lawsuit. On May third, Attorney Bernard was getting ready for work when county deputies appeared at his home. He shares. The home with his brother, Winton Bernard, and arrested him in front of his neighbors, according to a legal complaint. Per the documents, the officers allegedly did not show a warrant, telling Bernard that, quote, the judge wanted to see you. The suit accuses law enforcement of threatening Bernard before he opened his front door before being taken into custody. Put the judge up again. I just want people to remember, according to the report, this is the judge who ordered it, all right? Bernard's filing claims that the retired NFL player was transported to jail, ultimately escorted to the courthouse and brought before the judge in shackles. In the courtroom, the judge criticized Bernard for not opening his door fast enough for law enforcement. And blamed him for, quote, for almost getting himself hurt. The judge, according to the suit, also gave Bernard an ultimatum in exchange for his freedom, giving him only 15 minutes to make a decision. This is a civil issue. The judge's alleged demand come from a separate pending civil lawsuit filed against Mr. Bernard and his brother, who own an escape room business. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the duo had to close their business and stopped paying their rent. There's a cause, a clause, excuse me, in the lease that says if we are unable to operate for reasons that are not due to our negligence, 
that we don't have to pay rent. The rent is abated until we are able to operate again. Bernard told the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, quote, we tried to exercise that clause and a landlord would not agree to it. Prior to that, we made all rental payments on time. Now, I wanna say this about the clause he's referring to. It's a normative clause, an act of God, um, it, legal obligation or illegalities, things like that stop you from being able to probably adhere to a contract. And typically they're written inside of a clause or two. So this is not an abnormal clause is my point. The landlord wanted $100,882. But the brothers asked the judge to reduce the amount after another tenant took over the space for the outlet. According to the report, citing court documents, the brothers also refused to hand over their personal financial records to the court. In March, after they filed an appeal of the order to hand over the documents, the judge demanded the brothers comply within 72 hours or they will be taken into custody according to the complaint. Well, you have an appeal because you're citing, well, what the judge has said is wrong. What the judge has ordered is unlawful, unconstitutional, not within his jurisdiction. So while the appeal is pending, according to the filing, the judge says he doesn't care about the appeal. He was ultimately arrested in May, okay? While his brother, who's a professional baseball player, was not present at the home. For the outlet, Bernard caved and agreed to hand in the requested records. But when he failed to do so, he was arrested again last month during a hearing regarding the final judgment of the civil case. Bernard agreed to settle the case and wrote an $80,000 check while he was still behind bars. That's according to the Post Gazette. Put up the brother again. Now, this is seemingly not only a grave injustice, but multiple injustices against one human being. We're bringing light to this story. Because we want justice to reign supreme. I guarantee you there will be an update. Jackson, thoughts here. I mean, it just seemed like the judge threw a temper tantrum, basically. Like, like he couldn't have his way in some type of regard. So he just went on ahead and no questions asked, had this guy arrested. Um, and continued to put his foot down at every opportunity that he had to you know, take his foot off the gas a little bit. Um, and too often we see law enforcement do this. And you know, people in various positions of authority, sometimes you need to reverse course or admit that you were wrong. Uh, but instead, oftentimes people just, no, no, we're gonna triple down on it. Um, but that's all this was, a, a, a very extremely grown man throwing a temper tantrum and playing with people's lives as a result. Yeah, I mean, and the audacity to do it to an attorney. A judge does something, well, I guess is unthinkable to other judges. She tells the truth, talks about diversity, the lack thereof, gets accused of misconduct. Put up a picture for a mass. A black judge has been punished for calling out lack of diversity. We're in North Carolina for this story. Supreme Court judge of North Carolina alleges she's facing disciplinary action after speaking out about lack of diversity in the state's courts. She's now hit them with a lawsuit. 
North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls, a black North Carolina Supreme Court Justice is pursuing legal action against the state's Judicial Standards Commission, a board that looks into misconduct complaints against judges because she is facing potential action against her for making remarks about a lack of diversity in the system of justice. The federal lawsuit was filed in the US District Court in North Carolina on Tuesday, August 29th. NC Newsline reported, Justice Earls is alleging that the commission violated her First Amendment rights to free speech by opening a probe after she publicly spoke about the lack of diversity in our state's courts. Per the lawsuit obtained by Atlanta Black Star and Atlanta Black Star did a great job on this story. It comes after Earls, the sole black female Supreme Court justice in the state participated in an interview with Law 360 in June, according to WT in that interview. Justice Earls discussed matters such as the decision by the North Carolina Supreme Court to disband the Commission on Fairness and Equity, the court's lack of judicial clerks from racial minority groups, the implicit bias associated with the interrupting of female advocates, and even herself as an African American female justice during oral argument and the discontinuance of racial equity and implicit bias in the North Carolina court for filing states. The complaint says that Justice Earls has been subjected to months long of intrusive investigations. Adding that her comments are fully protected by the First Amendment of the United States Constitution as core political speech. Earlier this month, Earls received a notice from the commission stating that the interview appears Quote, to allege that your Supreme Court colleagues are acting out of racial, gender, and or political bias in some of their decision making. It says her comments may be in violation of a, of a provision of state code of judicial conduct, which underscores that judges should act in a way that promotes public confidence in the integrity and impartiality of the judiciary. Um, I, I can say this uh, pretty clearly. Uh, she is absolutely in the right here. Now there's more, uh, per the lawsuit, she previously gave a notice in March for a separate matter after the commission received a complaint claiming she spoke about issues that were being deliberated in the Supreme Court, okay? Now this part is important. However, the documents say it was dismissed months later. Advocates rallied to support Earls, raising the alarm that officials are attempting to push her out of her position, local news reported. Quote, what we know is that the judicial complaint process is being bastardized in an effort to silence black and brown people. And in this case, particularly Justice Earls. Don Lagrove of Emancipate NC told WTBD. Earls lawsuit seeks an injunction to restrict the board from continuing to chill her right to comment on matters of public interest, her court documents. She's basically filing something to retain her continued right of speech, okay? Now, if she talks specifically about a case, now that is a clear violation of the standard. Clear violation, no question. When they tried to get her on that, which she did not do, it was dismissed. Why? Because she did not violate the rule. So when they could not get her on the one thing that's actually a rule violation, they get her on an interview where she talks about lack of diversity. When 
when is telling the truth a violation of decorum? All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Well, you know, I guess from their perspective, uh, she's a, a, a woman and she's a minority. So, you know, what, what's there really to talk about here? If, you, if you're in this position, then there can't be any problems. But as you pointed out, the provision uh, clearly states that if you do something egregious towards the court or egregious towards the system, yeah, that's going to be a problem. But pointing out realities absolutely can't be a part of that provision because if there's real issues, we have to be able to fix them. So that, that's a simple matter here. They just picking yep. on her. Yep, agreed. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, the federal court getting involved and making a ruling here. All right, that's a precedent for everyone else. I need more information though, all right? Here is plea. My name is John Simmons. I moved here 22 years ago. None of this over here was here. This was an isolated place. Nothing was here. And uh, I worked hard. I took a wheelbarrow. Took me a year to clean this land up. And the city would not let me put a brick home here. They said I could only put a double wide. First, they told me I couldn't put nothing here because I towed the old trailer home down that my father-in-law had. Now, I had a lawyer. He charged me $10,000 to get me to get on this land. And his name was, I'm trying to think of his name now. I can't it's okay, call. but now what's but, happening? But right now, the developer in this area, Trent Thomas, Roundtree Development and their lawyers is trying to take my land. They asked me to sell. I said I wasn't going to sell. They offered me $150,000 for my land just a few years ago. And you see what I got. Last month, three months ago, they offered me 500000 in front of my lawyer. I said, no, I'm not going to sell. He called me, Trent Thomas, say, his father called and say, I own your land up from back yonder. It goes way back there to your back door. And then his son called me two weeks ago and say, I want to buy your Eastman. I said, no, I'm not going to sell it. He said, I can force you to do it. When he said that, I prayed and I come up with my son. And I, he called me a few days ago. He said, you scandalized my name. I said, no, I'm not scandalizing your name. I said, you scandalized mine. And you say I was the in the way. He said, uh, I didn't say that to your face, but you saved it. There's more. He said, well, why don't you buy the land back? I said, I'm not going to buy it back. You ain't got nothing being in my land. And so I hired a lawyer at first, Lipsy, at the uh, Universal Title Company in Bryant, Texas. Uh, you, uh, college State, which one? And come to find out he was the same one that helped them get into my land. So I went back to him, told him, no, you can't be my lawyer. He told me, I said, what do I owe you? He said, nothing. So I hired another attorney to help me out. And God bless, they still in my land, still in my land. They still in my land. I, I don't know how they got into it. I was gonna give my nephew 
apart to build a house and somebody said, you better do a towers check. I said, I went to the record department. I own my land. And when I found out Trent Thomas in my land, nobody told me how he got in it or nothing, but he's in my land and he's trying to force me out. They told me if I didn't sell, they're going to buy this on the other side. They're going to squeeze me in and I was going to lose value. <sighs> and so all, I'm 81 years old and I, this is all I have. And I prayed and asked God to bless me with this land. Now the enemy is trying to take it away. Put up his picture. Not on our watch, dear brother. Not on our watch. He's 81 years old in the state of Texas. According to the video, this occurred in college state, Texas. I don't have a lot of information other than this video. If anyone knows him or the individual who did the video, young lady, very sweet young lady, you've done a great service, madam. Please make sure they email us at indisputable, indisputable at tyt.com, indisputable at tyt.com. I want to address the accusations that Mr. Simmons has made in a thoughtful and methodical way so that he can receive the peace that he deserves. Jackson. Yeah, 100%. Anybody who has any information about that, send it in, please. Because, you know, like you said, that's all he has. And even though these developers could just go somewhere else, they see him as a victim and a mark. So they're going to keep on bullying him. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to pick this up and, again, reiterate what you said. Anybody, please send information in so we can help him. There you go. My dear brother, always a pleasure, my friend, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Absolutely, always a pleasure to be here with you as well. You can check me out at youtube.com slash at politics and paper. I got weekly lives, well, daily live streams, three shows a week, and I got the membership programs coming out in about a week or two. So we're moving on up, we're doing big things. Check me out at politics and paper on YouTube. Proud of you, brother. Very Thank proud you. of you, man. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.